Welcome to the SCA Lectures podcast series, brought to you by Olam Specialty Coffee, connecting roasters to the finest specialty green coffees. The following is part two of a talk presented live at the 2017 Global Specialty Coffee Expo, the largest annual gathering of specialty coffee professionals. Hi again, everybody. So uh, my approach to this, um, I run a business, so I, I generally try to take a very pragmatic approach, which is not to say a cynical approach, um, and I wanted to focus on why gender justice in coffee matters to you. And I'll give you the punchline straight up front. Uh, it matters because it's good business, period. Um, I am interested in doing good business, and I'm interested in a sustainable coffee trade. Those things require an investment in women in coffee. Um, we need good coffee first, right? Investing in training women puts knowledge in the hands of people doing a lot of the work in coffee origins all over the world. Uh, the results of getting women involved in the trainings, for example, which I've seen you know, over the last 18 years time and time again, uh, when you get women involved, you get a more consistent application of the lessons learned. Um, and the proof, you know, just on a simple level, the proof is in my business. Um, Long before people really started talking about this a lot, I just noticed that when we went to places where women were deeply involved in the value chain and were being remunerated for that and they had leadership roles, we got better coffee. And that's what makes coffee sustainable. Like uh, you talked about, um, productivity and profitability are the key to this thing. And we just got great coffee from folks. And this happened time and again, you know, Rwanda... Congo, Uganda, Colombia, Myanmar, Honduras, Sumatra, on and on and on. Um, so long before people talked about women in coffee, I sought out communities where the women were deeply involved at all levels in coffee production. And again, were rewarded properly for that work. Um, a second point is that growers need economic viability. That sounds like a painfully obvious thing to say, um, but the way the coffee trade has worked historically has been to find out how little we can pay, not what's the right price for that. So if we invest in women at the farm level, that equals reinvestment in the home and the farm, like Colleen said. Um, and in many coffee communities, we know that women are doing the bulk of the coffee work. Why would we not make sure that they get the money for that? It just doesn't make economic sense. In a way, when you ignore women in the value chain, you fail to remunerate them, what you're doing is completely ignoring half of the value chain. And that's reducing, you know, the viability of that value chain significantly. It's time to stop doing that. Um, another thing that we really need to think about is that we need the next generation of coffee farmers, okay? Um, the average age of a coffee grower right now is significantly older than me. That's terrifying. Um, so... Kids aren't going to stay on the farm if there's no money. And we know, it's been proven time and again, that investing in women coffee farmers improves household income. So a better life on the farm equals kids staying on the farm equals a sustainable coffee trade. And again, all this stuff is, to me, it just seems like common sense. Um, but it's time that we start acting on those common sense principles and making sure that they're explicit and implicit in the work that we do in the trade. Um, and again, finally, ultimately, um, it really is just economic good sense. We need to create thriving households. 
We need sustainable coffee supply. We need future generations of growers. When we do those things, when we invest in women, we make those things happen. It's, again, it's just a simple fact. And by doing that, we all get to stay in business. And importantly, we get great coffee. And in the end, that's what's going to keep us all going. Um, so again, gender justice matters to all of us. And it's because when I talk about women in coffee, really what I'm talking about is families in coffee and making sure that the whole family thrives. It's, it's really vital for us to continue thinking of it that way. Keep, we can keep things very simple when it comes to this stuff. And, and as was mentioned earlier, you know, selling woman-produced coffee right now, um, I'd like to just talk about coffee and know that women are always being taken care of as part of that. But right now, I think this is the right time to really promote woman-produced coffee. Um, and, and I'll tell you, too, I wouldn't do that if buying woman-produced coffee meant a compromise in quality at all. But in case after case after case in our business, we've gotten great quality from these. In a lot of cases, from certain communities, even better quality than just the, the normal um, stuff that we get from those communities. So, again... It's easier to sell just on the quality. I don't even have to mention that it's woman-produced coffee, but, of course, we always do. So, again, investing in women in coffee, investing in gender justice is solid business. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, my presentation will be slightly uh, different. I just want to give a case of all what they've said. Uh, my name is Harrison Kaluva from Zuzu Coffee in the northern part of Malawi. We have got six cooperatives, uh, close to 2,600 smallholder growers. I've been running this cooperative for almost, this is 20th year, from scratch. When we started, we were producing less than 90 tons of clean coffee. Now we are slightly over 500 tons of clean coffee. Uh, why talk about women coffee? Uh, within the Mzuzu setup, we never talked about gender. We never talked about women coffee. We never talked about, we just grew coffee until six, seven years ago. There was a reason why we started talking about women coffee. Uh, the coffee production used to go up, go up, and then five, six years ago, we found the coffee production going down. Then we did a, a, a simple survey. Why, why is coffee growing going down? Uh, we discovered as my friends have said, 90% of the labor force on the coffee is women and the children. In my country, the wife, the children, they work on the coffee. But when it comes to payment, when we pay the man, what we discovered was the man, after getting the money, he would disappear. And those in Songwe area, Misuk, which is born in Tanzania, they would go to Mbeya in Tanzania for two weeks. They blow their money, they come back when the money is blown. So the women silently went on strike. <laughs> they persuaded their, their children not to help. As a result, the coffee farms started going down. And then we said, okay, what can we do? It was very tricky because in the northern region, land is owned by men. 
women go to the, to the men and the land is owned by men. So what do we do? Then uh, we said, okay, let's uh, take a few farmers, families who will be interested, the men who will be interested to share part of the land or part of the coffee plantation to their wives. And we register those wives in their own rights so that they can get money directly. It was tricky. I'm talking of where we come from. It's a man-dominated. But there was a few volunteers. We did that. And then the women worked on the farm, on their coffee farms, which they were given by their husbands. If somebody's got 3,000 trees, because in our, in our cooperative, average number of trees per smallholder farm is 2,000 trees. So you'd give 500 to the, to the woman. They worked. They processed separately. And then we said, how do we deal with this coffee? Can we sell it as separate coffee? In partnership with Twin, we managed to get a buyer from Japan. And he got that first container. And he paid 20 cents premium over that, as women premium. Now, when the money came, and we paid directly to these women. Guess what happened? Okay, 90% of the income from the men normally, or if the, a man gets money in our home, maybe up to 60-70% of that money will not be spent in the home. 30% 30% will be spent in the home. Now, with these women, when they got this money, it was an exciting thing because they had not, never received this much money. So they bought a number of things in the home. They bought plates. They bought pots. They bought, you know, things which the husband never thought about. And then the home looked a bit nicer. They bought, you know, uh, clothes for the children. That motivated other women, other husbands, because they, and with the 20 cents additional income. So there was more income in this, in this home. The following year, more husbands were willing to share. <laughs> and what happened? And, and this to me is very important. I'm looking at, I'm talking about gender not as a social, not just as an NGO. I'm talking about as a business. It, it makes business sense. You know, what happened now is this is a family. They started working together as a family now. When the, ma- the, the lady got a little bit more money, the respect was there between the husband and the wife. They would talk on equal terms. It was no longer you, you, you. It was like we. Let, let, can we do things together? And you would see that uh, these families, even if you come, you see these families who have worked together, the way they're progressing so fast. And this is multiplying within the cooperative. And the production now, it was stagnant. Now I'm saying it's 500 tons this year. Maybe we next year we'll be getting under. We had less than 15% of the women farmers. Now we've got close to 30%. We are hoping the number is going to go to 40-50% in the next five years. Because more women are coming in. And there's uh, that um, if you look at the economic, you know, when financial, you know, financial in, uh, economic independence leads to financial freedom. I mean, you can speak when you've got money. You can talk. These, uh, these women, because they've got money, we have found them now going to leadership position. For example, in my own union, the vice chairperson of the union is a lady. Very powerful lady. She's got, she's got assets. I mean, they will not elect somebody who has got nothing, honestly speaking. They would like to see where somebody has got, you know, some assets. This woman has got, bought, she got a 
you know. So they, they respect her. She can be given positions. So just by economically empowering these women, automatically the gender issue, you know, comes out clear. The only challenge we had, the only challenges we had, sometimes those ladies, when they got a little bit more money, sometimes they didn't behave very well to their husband. And then we started coming now talking about how can they work together. So we've got good training from supported by twin, how they can work as a family and cooperate. And that was really a challenge. I, th- I think if we didn't manage that properly, it was going to exploit. It was going to exploit. But I think we are now able to manage because of the trainings that we're getting and the support we're getting. I mean, uh, from twin in terms of um, training materials, uh, our staff are able to to, uh, to to train our our farmers. Another challenge is that. Um, uh, I think we need sustainable market. Because what dis- I discovered one year, when we didn't sell all the coffee from the women, as women coffee, our women farmers were very disappointed. Because they're used to that premium. Huh? So if the premium doesn't come, because, you know, the, the idea of separating and washing, because when they're going to wash, they've got a special day when they're going to do only women coffee. And the, what all goes in there, they were very disappointed. So I think we need from the Craig and your team, we need a sustainable. <laughs> we need. We don't want a buyer who comes today, tomorrow is not there. I think if there's that need for that long-term relationship with the buyers who can take on. Of course, as it has been said here, initially we talk about women coffee, but when everybody's in there, we may not even talk about women coffee. It will be just coffee. But because now we are motivating them to come in, we need a new generation. In my country, men, when they get a little bit of money, they move out of Villages, they go in town. Women will always be in the village. So you are guaranteed of coffee production when these women are, are empowered. So I, I, I feel, I think it's a good thing to talk about women coffee. I think this is the time we need to talk about women. Otherwise, there will be no coffee. So let's promote women in coffee. Uh, and, and then I, I think, I never talked about women in coffee, but I think I've become, from nowhere, I've become a strong advocate of women in coffee. <laughs> I want to talk about women in coffee. And we now have got two, three other buyers. We always talk to people who'd be interested. So think we now have got two, three other buyers, but I think we need more buyers to get our women our, our women coffee. Because I think to me, this is the surest way of making sure that my cooperative union moves from generation to generation. Thank you for your attention. Do you believe me now? Aren't we lucky? <laughs> so we have just about 20 minutes for question and answer, and I'm just going to um, start off with um, a few questions for the panel, and I'm going to open it up to the audience. Um, when you do ask a question, I ask that you stand. I know it's it's hard to stand and, and um, get in front of everybody and ask the question at the microphone. This uh, presentation is being recorded. All of the presentations are, so you can download them later, which is an awesome new feature this year. And um, so you don't really have to miss anything. So I guess my main question is we talk a lot about women's coffee and we talk a lot about uh, gender equitable coffee or making sure that the coffee that is purchased by roasters um, isn't just impacting uh, women, but uh, if, it, if it's not as like a verified women's lot, if there wasn't a specific day that women were processing and it didn't go into a specific women's coffee lot. How, how do you think 
you know, roasters can uh, start to verify or, um, or, or start to, to gain confidence in their coffee supply that's, that doesn't just focus on women's coffee, um, that, that, you know, that, that still need to uh, contribute, um, like the suppliers need to contribute to uh, the conversation by changing policies. Um, that you know that w- there's still a lot of work to be done be- behind the scenes of then just focusing on women's coffee. Um, not to say that that's there's not you know a benefit to just doing that. So what what do you think, Craig? You specifically to start us off. What's what's your opinion on on where? Well, first of all, how do they differ? How does gender justice and like gender equitable coffee differ differ from women's coffee that you've seen around the world? And what can roasters do to really be part of that conversation and, and, push, and push the suppliers that, that aren't really within those categories? Um, yeah. Cool. Um, can you repeat the first part of that question, please? No. Yeah. I rambled. <laughs> so, well, if I understand you correctly, you want yeah. me to define the difference between yeah. gender justice coffee and women's coffee? Yeah, women's coffee. coffee. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, again, it goes back to those common sense things. Um, you want to know that with a, when there's gender justice in the coffee supply chain, you want to see women in leadership roles. You want to know that they are participating in the trainings. You want to know that money is getting in the hands of the women who are producing the coffee, right? Um, and, you know, at the level that Atlas tends to work, we like to work in partnership with growers to develop quality, so we're very involved in the communities. Um, a lot of the stuff that we do with Twin, obviously, is very focused on that as well. Um, we do this stuff all over the world, and you know there is a matter of trust uh, when you're a roaster with your vendors. You want them to be able to you know, give you examples of how um, gender justice is playing out in your supply chain. But beyond that, if you have the resources, if you have the opportunity, um, you know, a great thing to do is, is get there with your importers, uh, with your producers, if you can. Get to origin and see how things really look on the ground, see how they work. Um, that is always the, the most straightforward way. I, I just want people to do that as often as possible, just in general, so they can understand how bloody hard it is to produce great coffee um, and stop complaining about you know wanting to pay less all the damn time. Um, <laughs> so... No offense, just saying. Um, but I think those are the ways. You know, ask for verification of, of those three things that I mentioned. You know, the training, um, the money going into their hands. Um, what was the third thing I mentioned? It was a good one. Leadership. Leadership. Boom. <laughs> yes. Um, every successful company I worked for before I started at Atlas, by the way, had women in strong leadership roles. There was always one woman who kind of ran things, um, you know. Seems to be playing out at Atlas as well. So, <laughs> thank you, Jennifer. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd say. Right. Pascazi, what do you think? I mean, if you were to talk to a roaster and a roaster came up to you and said, I'm going on my first trip and I have purchased from this, this cooperative for two years now and I want to make sure that, that I'm seeing... I'm seeing change or I'm seeing the benefits for women. What, what, what should they be looking for, in your opinion? I think the best thing f- for learning I had found around is to be immersed in whatever you want to learn. So for me, I would um, really humbly request them to have like three to four days on the ground and then share in the trainings 
which are happening mm -hmm. at uh, household level and at the cooperative level. And then they would understand really what it means, you know, for those women if they are really participating or if the household are changing because there are so many good testimonies. But when I talk about it, and uh, it's not my testimony, it's hard for you to believe me. But when somebody tells you, I was living with my five children and in the same house I was living with my chicken and my cow. <laughs> but now, you know, we have separate house, you know, household arrangement. My cows are here and I'm here with my children. And I was having a fetched house, now I'm having like an iron sheet house. Um, my, I couldn't pay school fees, but now I'm able to pay school fees. You know, because I, I learned to plan and I received income from coffee, then you will be convinced. Then you would say, yes, this is really something I want to keep on supporting, mm -hmm. using, you know, supporting, using the skills, you know, the God-given skills of roasting coffee and selling coffee, or it is something I really am not interested in. Then we have a choice. Mm -hmm. When you brought up that you know what many of you said what's so crucial about um about creating this change and focusing on women's economic empowerment is is to bring the whole family into the conversation and i know that there are some in the industry that still struggle i mean craig you've probably seen over the years just the different perception of what the term women's coffee um, how that's changed or how that's being accepted or redefined. Um, and there are still some people that think that, you know, women's coffee is, is still, it's, it's, it might be leaving, um, leaving whole families or leaving men out of, out of the picture in terms of, of sharing in, uh, sharing in the productive economy of their farm. Um, what would you, what would you say to those people? <laughs> Basically, I mean, how do you, how would you be able to, um, to articulate to those naysayers about, um, you know, the, the role that women, that a specific women's coffee lot with a specific premium that goes specifically to the women, um, how, how would you, how do you address that conversation? Do you have them still, or are they changing? You, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do have those conversations, and. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing that I would say is that we we really do – it's up to us to articulate this in terms of – we're talking about women, and it's what we talked about before. Because we failed to talk about women for generations in coffee, it's time to talk about it now. But we, we do have to be careful with that. You know, there, we run the risk of being guilty of cultural imperialism if the tone we take in talking about it is very scolding and saying, you know, what you're doing is wrong, you have to change. What we have to do is, is do what Harrison and Mzuzu did and show people an economic benefit, you know. Make it about the family. Make it so that it's inclusive. And again, for us, when we're talking to roasters about that, we have to make sure that that's the message we're sending. Isn't, you know, men are bad, women's coffee good. It's, you know, getting women empowered in coffee is overdue. We're doing that now, and we're doing it because it's better for the whole family. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Pascazi, when you were showing your, your first slide, you, you showed where those four areas of influence are that, that Twin is working in, in, in the gender justice programs between... Um, 
the national national bodies and governments and the household level at the producer organization level and I forget the other one Democracy. market level yeah that's why we're here um, yeah but Maria you've done so much work through the IWCA and then within your own communities um, how I would really love to hear more about, you know, the role that IWCA has been playing in, in sort of not not pressuring but influencing um, other organizations with, within El Salvador, within Latin America, or wherever you've, you've worked uh, with IWCA chapters to support other opportunities for women, um, you know, beyond, beyond uh, maybe just general access to land, access to trees, and access to markets. Um, but education and leadership training um, in other areas in the coffee supply chain. Yes, IWCA it works with five pillars. Um, the first one is creating leadership within the group of the women that are leading uh, the chapter. Then the second one is working within the communities. We need the family to be involved, the children, and to elevate all the their their sustainable family. And the third one is education. Education in agriculture, education in coffee, in beverages. And the fourth is if we have a small unit productivity in a country, we have to increase the productivity to make it to profitable and sustainable. So we have growth in the different communities where we are uh, we have different washing stations, new washing stations in Burundi, and the people, the the women there, she, they gather together, and now they are exporting many containers to the United States. So they are very happy because they have premium uh, payments. And the fifth one is advocacy, because um, we found that we need to be close to the men organizations, not only women organizations. And for instance, in El Salvador, uh, we are eight coffee organizations, starting from coppers, um, roasters, millers, exporters, coffee producers, and women in coffee. So we have gathered together to join forces to rehabilitate our coffee-producing country, which has lowered to a very low stage of a 30% production. So we, ha we are working together. So we are now seeing that this, can, this model can be also uh, replicating in other countries. So I think this is, you know, one of the things. Uh, for instance, we are also opening additional chapters China is interested. We also have Nirmar, and we are we are twenty chapters. We are in Asia. We are seven countries in Africa, and now we're going to be the eighth country in Africa. So we all try to have um, linkage together, and we also have, a, as we have grown so much, we also have a chapter manager that is included in chapter relations. So we have subdivided our different tasks. Mm -hmm. and, and on that topic of influence, Harrison, I have, I have two questions for you. But stemming from this question of 
influence. Um, have you ever worked or been in conversation with other managers or boards of cooperatives that don't believe in the same uh, ideas of, of gender equity or justice as you do? And have you ever, um, or how do you, how do you broach those conversations? How do you, um, what kind of advice would you give to a cooperative that might have different priorities uh, for them to start prioritizing uh, women, women economic empowerment? Thanks very much. Um, I wouldn't say that I've been very actively involved in uh, talking to other cooperatives, but uh, because of the activities that we are doing, uh, UNDP Women in Malawi Office, I think they identified, I don't know where they held about us, so they have used us quite a lot uh, in their program, in their outreach program where they're meeting different groups, not only coffee, uh, different groups that they have. So uh, in many of their forums, they have used us to go and just talk, share the experience that we've gone through. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think um, we are seeing the results. Uh, we signed quite a number of CEOs, not just uh, cooperatives, CEOs of different companies. We have signed a, what we call a charter promoting um, uh, uh, involvement of women in our even our workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for example, we never had the very we had I had met Pascal when he came first time. Said, "Yeah, Harrison, yeah, all men, men, men." I said, "Yes, don't worry." Mm-hmm. Uh, now at least we are moving up. We have got a number of women, middle managers, women. We want to put in every layer women. So I think using the model that we are seeing, we are seeing that um, other people are seeing what we are doing and they are using us to to say a story of what we have gone through. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what we are we are doing. My other question for you uh, revolves around the premium and premium payment and the price conveyance to the uh, to the coffee farmers. Um, whether or not you know, I don't I don't know how much the premium is that that is attached to the to the coffee. If there's a set if there's a set amount annually, um, but at what point do you uh, do you distribute that premium? Do you distribute it at the farm gate or or later in uh, the second half of the year as a second payment once the coffee is purchased? Uh, sort of things. The the women is paid to the to the farmers once the coffee is sold. Mm-hmm. But initially, we we advance we advance them the money that we pay everybody because the price will be will be the same. So they will only be waiting for their premium once the coffee is sold. Right. So we can only pay the premium once the coffee is sold as women coffee. Right. Because if the coffee is not sold as women coffee, they will not get the premium. Mm-hmm. So they will get the price like any other other person. Right. Maybe just to 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 to. to to add on that, I think I just on on the question you wanted, sure. uh, how does somebody verify yes. whether this money, this buyer from I want to give an example of this this buyer from Japan. Very interesting. Every year they would fly in. Actually, they were coming in, and follow the farmers who got the premium, and and see what those women have done with the premium. I, I, to me, that was very interesting, mm-hmm. and it was really exciting and. And the stories they were crea- they, they, they were writing, and the stories the women were saying, yeah. they have been very, very powerful. Right. And um, my, maybe my appeal is uh, maybe uh, Craig, you need to do that once in a while. I think it's important. <laughs> you know, just by you going in there and talking to these farmers, you know, even if you don't pay them extra, the farmers feel, oh yeah, so so this is the guy who bought our coffee. So this is the guy who bought our coffee. So it's real. Harrison didn't just pay, fake up a story. 
So I, I think it was very exciting. It's very interesting. So, mm-hmm. and uh, they would prove it, and so the farmers would make sure that they use the premium for the right things, because they know this guy's going to come and find. Can you show me what you bought? And then you would make some some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very exciting. But then you have other buyers that will come with huge surveys for the next, for two hours to maybe. <laughs> Is that true? Well, we, we, we are, from Susan Coffee, we are used. I think every year we get a number of buyers that come, come to visit us. So our farmers, I think, are used to you know, receiving these buyers, talking to them, not necessarily on a survey, but just for the buyers to know where their coffee is coming from mm-hmm. and also to really know the hard work these farmers are going through. Yeah. So every year we have maybe four or five buyers coming in and talking to our farmers. So, yeah, I think to me, as a producer, I, I enjoy that. I like that because, one, it... it it assures the growers that there's, there's an off-taker somewhere. These people, the management, have got people they're dealing with. They're not, they're not, they're just, selling from the, they're not just selling from the air. They're selling to people. They have built, they have built a relationship. And, and I think in coffee, the relationship is key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so if any roasters uh, want to take a trip to Malawi, let me know. Uh, <laughs> sounds like I might be going soon. <laughs> Uh, so we have about five minutes left, and that's probably enough for one, one question. <laughs> um, so if anyone, please um, stand up and uh, proceed to the microphone. Mi nombre es Jaime Restrepo. Represento Cooperativa de Caficultores de Colombia en Salgar. And I represent the Cooperative of Agriculture in Colombia en Salgar. Queremos, eh, les agradecemos a ustedes por la importancia que le dan a la mujer. Y así como nuestra organización cooperativa y todas las organizaciones del mundo, queremos de pronto tener información más ágil. We'd like to have more, um, faster access to information que nos visiten a nuestras regiones porque tenemos eh, mucho potencial tanto con productoras mujeres como con café de alta calidad con trazabilidad en taza está en taza calidad trazabilidad en taza y eh, nosotros, todos nosotros tenemos alto potencial y necesitamos que se acerquen y nos presenten sus programas por país. Por país. Porque es una oportunidad que tenemos de venir acá. Pero a veces no conocemos eh, las ofertas comerciales que tengan para la mujer. Eh, muchas gracias y felicitaciones a todas las mujeres. Un aplauso para ellas y ellas son... You've been listening to part two of a talk from the SCA Lectures podcast series. To hear more on topics relevant to the specialty coffee industry, visit 
www.scanews.coffee and subscribe to this lecture series. Thanks for listening.